Hello, friends and folks. And for one, almost last time, because we, we have a special surprise, but for actual awards, welcome to the last Scanline Media 2020 Gimmick Award. I'm Six Detmar. I'm Jennifer Uncle. I'm Kyrie Page. And it's Game of the Year. It's the, it's the big one. It's the big dog. It's 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 the it's the guy who's the is the big fish, the small pond. Boy, it's a small pond. It is a small pond this year. I wanted to do some bit where I pretended that this was a really long list, but I've already said in the previous category it isn't, and uh, it's not. This is a small list. Yeah. This is almost the smallest list of any category. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Game of the Year. Jen, what are our nominees? For Game of the Year, we have Paradise Killer, Beam Saber, Final Fantasy VII Remake, If Found, Umarangi Generation, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, and 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Now, I have a guess here. Uh-huh. I don't remember which of us put 13 Sentinels on here. Might have been me. Might have been you, because we're both playing it. I bet whoever added it on here was like, and I'll have played more of it by the time we do Cody. <laughs> <laughs> you are right about that, and that probably disqualifies it immediately, because, like, yeah. it's. I still don't have the full breadth of understanding about where the story will go, but mm-hmm. I will say what I have played of it, it's very fucking good. Like, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you have to. Uh, admittedly, you have to get around the big caveat that these are a bunch of high schoolers who are naked when they're in the mechs. But uh, if you can get over that admittedly sizable stumbling block, it's a fantastic story. Um, all of the real-time or turn-based strategy elements within the mechs. Like, there's a bunch of interesting mechanics to it, like, uh, having to juggle who's outside, I mean, who's actually fighting because you can overload their brains if you use them too often. And, uh, it's, it, it does boil down to tower defense, but it's one of the more engaging tower defense games I've ever played. It is pretty cool to see all those numbers light up when you take out just a whole bunch of enemies. <laughs> yeah, mm. like there's some, certain attacks where you're just launching countless missiles within a vector, and then when they all hit, you see all these smaller ships pop like confetti, like one bit after the other, and it's a great feeling. And... Mm. Like, when it's not doing that, it's a visual novel slash simplistic adventure game that uh, is, like, one of the most gorgeous games I've ever seen. Like, the they really went, Vanillaware really went above and beyond with the way that they illustrated everyone here. And uh, it's it's easy to, like... Be like, okay, 13 protagonists, that's going to be hard to keep track of. But they do an amazing job not only letting you keep track of them, but also, like, keep track of a story that's not being told in order. And also has to deal with, it also deals with time travel and people pretending to be people that they aren't. So, it's, it's incredible that of what I played so far, that they are able to juggle all of that, but 
as I said, what I've played so far. So I guess we'll see whether it sticks the landing. Yeah, I think it'll be one of those. I, I have a suspicion it'll be a game that we bring up in a category of like a, a, a best, you know, whatever we end up calling it, you know, a backlog star or whatever it's named for 2021. But for 2020, unfortunately, we just didn't spend enough time with it. Um, Which is really unfortunate because Vanillaware games are something special. And I think from what I've seen of 13 Sentinels, it is a really, really cool game. Like, I love the mecha designs. I love the character designs. I think it like it's a gorgeous sounding game as well. Like, the mm-hmm. music is triumphant and sad when it needs to be it's a really great voice acting great voice acting yeah absolutely english and japanese Mm -hmm. uh you know hey you want to talk about great mecha design hey curia what do you think about the nola the nola was pretty cool that one time i got to fly it (laughs) (laughs) listen that's you know the less you fly it the more you know it's the cooler it is yeah although it was really cool getting to fight with it um uh, getting in and immediately rolling to see whether you stepping into it was taken as a declaration of war. I love that. I love that mechanic <laughs> so much. Uh, Beam Saber came out this year. We it, played a fair bit of Beam Saber we, for Star Sung Distance. We played a lot of Beam Saber, yeah. Um, and, like... I have some. Oh, I, it's not that I have problems with Beam Saber, right? I think Beam Saber is a great game. I am a very <laughs> Jen and Kiri, I can attest. I'm a very particular GM about yes, what I are. want from a system. Uh huh. Um, and Beam Saber does a lot of stuff that doesn't line up with my vision necessarily, right? Like. I do a lot of like, eh, your injuries are healed. Ah, eh, your ship's repaired. I don't want to, you know, I don't think it's interesting for you to go into this with an already broken mecha. Um, I think that's like, that's like a weakness of, from like, it's based off of the power to, from the powered by the apocalypse system. And the powered by the apocalypse system can be really unforgiving when it comes to injuries and healing them. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, as a vector for storytelling, I think it is a very compelling tabletop RPG. It is really hard, like, just, I mean, thinking about the moments I've had this year, it feels like Beam Saber is my game of the year. And you also know that next year, I this year, I should say, uh, Swords of Sorcery will not be nominated because that would be <laughs> nepotism and cheating. <laughs> yes, so we don't have to worry about this happening again. Exactly. Well, I mean, I guess we're going to play, we might play some other games. I'm looking at a, a game that's on my shelf that we might get to. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I think I think this list would be weird if at least if Beam Saber was not in the top three. I I think I agree. I think Beam Saber is, like has its faults, and we had to do some grafting onto the system to make it work for our purposes. But it was still a strong, like it's still a very strong base for a making really compelling, like mecha narrative happen in yeah. a, a tabletop RPG setting. Yeah, like, just just to just to be clear again, if if there is a problem with Beam Saber, it is flexibility because that's always that's always the thing about tabletop games is they're going to be used for so many different purposes and I think pretty much everything that's in Beam Saber is really good. It's just that I don't know if it's as good as a, at accommodating 
the various desires of of game masters and players. Yeah, I don't think it wins this category, but um, I'm fine with it sitting in the top three. Well, we'll have that conversation when we have. I mean, like, okay, what what does win, Jen? Um, because uh. <laughs> listen, I listen. I don't say this to be mean. This is this is honest. I don't care about it found. And that's fair. Like, I think that it's a very strong story about um, a very personal trans experience. And it does a great job of illustrating how some friendships are frayed when you come back as a slightly different person. And in other cases, you form new friendships and you kind of deal with the problem where, like, this game pretty upfront tackles transphobia and uh, how people will either like think that you're going through a phase or think you're being silly or just even outright dislike you because of that stuff. But it also gets into like a story of someone's close-knit circle initially halfway accepting her halfway rejecting her and like i guess i should just get into the ending here <laughs> like the yeah, moment I, I, let me just say real quick um like i was trying to not come across as harsh and i think i failed at that because it's not like it is honestly just that i i, I think like the art style is cool but doesn't appeal to me and then i'm just not in a place where i want to play a game about a queer person going through a lot of pain because that's just not where I'm at. Even if it is sympathetic and there's a good resolution, it's just like that's just not what I want. Sure. So yeah. that's why that's why I found is 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 nothing for me is just because I there I can't imagine a world where I play it. I bet it's really good. Yeah, that that's fair. And I'm usually not those stories usually don't speak to me much either just because like I go through enough transphobic shit as it is, but uh, this one is one of the only games I've played um, that deals with um, a trans, uh, like a trans protagonist and trans issues that doesn't feel like it's being made as a special episode for cishet people to, to be like, oh, I think I understand trans people now. It feels very from the heart and like it was... It was written by trans people for trans people, basically. Mm. Even though it also got uh, distribution under Annapurna, which is currently like the bot the boutique indie um, platform right now. <sighs> yeah, it just sounds like it found just like I I see games on this list. I think are stronger than it found. That's totally fair. Yeah, I just wanted to give it a uh, just give it some. I just wanted to talk about it a little, just because like this is the same year that we had "Tell Me Why," which is by Don't Nod, um, which is one of those one of several companies um, whose whole specialty is making games around progressive topics that doesn't necessarily have a have that audience in mind just in terms See, of like is, 
this is why, like, listen, you come to Scanline Media, you're like, what is the dynamic here? It's Jen is the nice one. Because my phrase for that is their specialty is making games that fall flat on their fucking face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think Don't Nod does it a little bit better than Ninja Theory because Ninja Theory at this point <laughs> is just Ninja a- Theory. Ninja Theory doesn't fall flat on its face. Ninja Theory Theory is just fucking offensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that trailer for Hellblade Two. Holy shit! It's just in terms of like, oh my god. You- you cannot make this. This will just be awful. <laughs> uh, I completely forgot about how yeah, that too. <laughs> but yeah, in a world where a lot of the attention towards games starring trans protagonists goes to like double A or triple A light teams that uh, are mostly just made of cishet writers who are writing about someone else's experience for their own. Um, their own enrichment, basically. Um, I just wanted to shout out like a trans creator that's making it happen and is telling something more genuine than what you find in those other situations. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm glad it's on this list. And I did, you know, it did get uh, it did get a runner up in uh, in best discovery. So I'm glad for that. Yeah. Um. Did. Any, did either of you end up finishing Umarangi Generation? I played a lot of it, but I did not quite finish it, no. Okay. I just wanted to check since uh, for 13 Sentinels, we didn't really feel like we played enough of it, and I just wanted to I, see wh- whether you felt like you played enough um, of Umarangi. I, I mean, like, I want to play more. I do feel like I played enough to, to, to feel like I had a good grasp on the game and what it was doing, and to and to be quite quite fond of it i now i now that we're here i'm feeling very bad that i didn't i meant to put an umarangi song in uh and that's our jam and i just completely forgot um because it has a great soundtrack um i guess i could see it go because i mean like old i think i think umarangi generation is really cool um as a game most of its effort is put into being a photography simulator in a way that doesn't do that much for me. Um, I liked Pokemon Snap, but Pokemon Snap was a lot about like like the difference between Umarangi Generation and Pokemon Snap. Well, there are a lot of <laughs> there's <laughs> but, a lot. One uh, one is significantly more depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Pokemon Snap. I can't believe you can't leave those rails. I yeah, I know it sucks. Um, but. Umarangi Generation is a game where basically the world is... I mean, there are animations, but the world is static, and you are just going through it, like, taking pictures of stuff, whereas, like, Pokemon Snap is, like, run-based, and it's about looking in the right place at the right time. And I connected a lot more with, like, like camera work as rail shooter, I guess. Um, with Umarangi Generation, there were times where, like, there were goals that didn't make a lot of sense to me, or like I would take pictures that would fulfill goals and I didn't know why, um, and so the like I think everything else I think though the world building and the music and the art design and the you know sort of like the storytelling, fucking rule in Umarangi Generation, but the camera work stuff is well done. It just isn't really for me. Yeah, I also think that it's a mistake somewhat to like puts the various scoring situations up front and center on your first playthrough. Like especially the time um 
pressure. Like, you can totally ignore the timer, but the way that they initially present it to you makes it makes you, like, skirt over a lot of the details within this world just to be like, okay, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta check off all these photos before the time runs out if I want to complete all these objectives, and... I mean, like, I, I feel like you figure out very quickly you're not going to complete all your all the objectives on the first run, and at that point you don't care about the timer. Um, I don't I don't think that's a big problem, but I I if it if it bothered you, I understand. Yeah, it, it's not a big problem. It's just like it's definitely been a problem, especially um, with some of the friends I've talked to about it, and. Uh, it's definitely something I had to teach myself to ignore somewhat to get the most out of it. And these are the same people that were like, fucking Majora's Mask is unplayable. Wrong. Great game. <laughs> it, it's not the same people. <laughs> it is the same people. <laughs> if it's not, it's just because they're too young and they didn't play Majora's Mask. Bunch of kids. With fucking up my video game culture. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a6, did you know that the Xbox 360 is retro now? Uh I mean, it's it's partially retro. I say it, I say it's like sort of retro, right? Like if you try and tell me Halo 3 is retro, no. If you try and tell me Gun is retro, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gun is pretty retro. Gun was retro when it fucking came out. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Gun. Put that on the game of the year. <laughs> do you remember? Do you literally remember any details about Gun other than its yellow cover and the fact that it also came out on the PS2? Um, it was it was like it was sort of compared to um. So basically, it was a a um a third person uh like Western shooter. Um, I believe it was like a semi open world that had like quests and stuff, but it also kind of had levels. I think I never played it. It was also made by um, the team who was doing the Tony Hawk games. Also, you could do a kickflip on your on your six shooter. <laughs> uh, the country western version of Superman. Man, you know what? If you made a skateboarding western, that would be sick. <laughs> twangy, uh, a twangy version of like Superman to just go. Oh, here I am. Here's <laughs> the so thing I can't. Okay, here's what you do. You put uh you put a gun in the skateboard, but it's lever action, but you don't pump the lever, you grind to reload shots. That, that sounds be like... really unplayable. But Yeah, it would. <laughs> Congratulations but... to 2021's game of the year, Black. <laughs> By Criterion. Shut the fuck up, Jen, I hate you. <laughs> 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 dunking on my great ideas hey kid do a kickflip <laughs> <laughs> like yeah just edit in the like the Tony Hawk like a clip like do a kickflip and then there's a gunshot sound and Tony Hawk's like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh, okay <laughs> in other words the Morongi generation is cut <laughs> it's been cut for a while hasn't it yeah, yeah for, we just, for, we just past, little... for the last aside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we just went on a little journey there, and now we're back. Uh, okay. Um, I don't think Hyrule Warriors makes the top. I don't think so either, but I just... 
Look, sometimes you just want a video game as video game. And Hyrule, yeah. Warriors, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is a video game as video game. It's got a pretty basic story. It's got some really cool fighting mechanics. I mean, we've already shouted it out in our previous category. We'll have Young Impa for Life, Young Impa Forever. Fucking, like, it is just a cool game to go in there and just beat up a bunch of book goblins. You know, of all of these nominees, it is the most fun to play. It is an absolute joy to play. And the fact, like, I just, I'm still on the end, like, I beat the game and I'm on doing all the end game stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot, there's a lot to do and a lot of really interesting, varied mission design. I think all the characters that show up are really fun and interesting. Um, and some pretty unexpected. Yes. Yeah, there were, kind of, there were, there are some unexpected characters in that game, both from like a story perspective and also a, oh, okay, I guess we're just doing this now sort of perspective. Yeah. Um, the Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is a really, really fun game. And um, I I could definitely, like, once I beat it, I might put it away for a while, but I definitely really enjoyed my time with it, and I'm still enjoying my time with it. A Musou game got nominated for Game of the Year. Yes. Think about that. <laughs> like, the only thing I, like, there are rumors about a Switch Pro coming out, and it would be like, man, if this game had a rock-solid frame rate, that would make it, that would just make it even better. There has better. never been a Musou game with a rock-solid frame rate. Didn't they hit 60 on the PS2? Um, they so. hit Maybe for they the hit fighting 60. game one. <laughs> so they did hit 60 on the PS2, but it wasn't anywhere near stable. Like, you would get 60 as you were zooming over various uh, landmarks and while you were riding up towards things, but once you got in the fray of things, that shit dropped. Yeah, that is, that's fair, but like... It was still just a really fun game to play, and for sure, I really enjoyed my. I really enjoyed it, and like I said, if you want a video game as video game, you can't go wrong with uh, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. So, our top three are our. Yeah, it's Paradise Killer, Beam Saber, and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um. I don't think Final Fantasy VII Remake should win. Really? Okay. Uh, how many categories have we talked about the fact that those boss fights were fucking interminable? <laughs> that is very true, yeah. And Hell House is forever on my shit list. <laughs> Hell, House, Hell House is a boss fight that takes as long to beat as if found. <laughs> <laughs> that is not... Entirely <laughs> That's not accurate. Really true, but it's so long. I yeah, Hellhouse took. I I would just like peek over and see what Jen was doing, and she was like, "Oh, I guess she's still fighting Hellhouse." A joke that is funny for like the first couple minutes, but then it stops being funny once you realize the the fight just keeps going on and on forever. And it's a it's it's two of you versus one. One of you one of the two is probably your healer, and the fucking hell house has a move where it just sucks one of you in and just sort of stores you in there and beats you up for a while uh and it's like a vacuum effect and you can technically evade it if you predict it and play exactly right but you're probably gonna get caught for it a couple of times it's such a fucking annoying fight and it is the worst one of those but it's hardly unique 
Airbuster is a shitty fight. Most it would be a cool fight, but it goes on for too long. There are a lot of those. There are like some fights that are just like random, like, oh hey, here are some monsters that are just too hard. It's kind of a mess. It's wild how long the Tonberry fight went for. <laughs> yeah. And like you figure out the solution to that fight pretty quickly, and you just have to do it for a long ass time. Yeah, like a lot of those boss fights are memorable and cool. Like uh, anything involving the Turks is usually a pretty good time. But uh, yeah, it's um. And the Rufus Shinra boss fight fucking rules. That's yeah, <laughs> and I think there are some really excellent things about Final Fantasy VII Remake. I think that it didn't make it on this list accidentally. I think that what like the thing that stands out to me is like how like when we talked about best moment about it breaking the timeline like i think that was really cool of them to do and they are clearly they clearly put a lot of like heart into this game yeah they somehow they somehow worked against decades of build-up in terms of like the popular image of Aerith is her getting stabbed by sephiroth and spoilers jen jesus the game came out in 1997. That's a long time ago. <laughs> I was going to say, it worked against the popular image of what people remember happening with Aerith and being like, hey, here's her with a fucking folding chair. Let's go. And <laughs> that became like the image of 2020 for a lot of respects, just in terms of you. I saw so many people drawing Aerith with that folding chair. Mm-hmm. And like even towards the end of the year, it came back. <laughs> Yeah. And I, beyond its memetic quality, I think that it is a, like, it's a well-told game. It looks great, sounds great, does a lot of really cool things. It's just a real shame about some of those boss fights lasting fucking forever. And also we did mention, uh, again, an improvement, but the honeybee and stuff is not great. Yeah. yeah, there is one good line in the Honey Bee Inn stuff in which Tifa is gushing over Cloud's like look, and Cloud goes, "Yes, I know, nailed it." Moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they then undercut later by <laughs> Honey Bee Inn being like, "Hey, you ever want to perform again?" And Cloud's like, "No, never, never." <laughs> when it would be a lot funnier if Cloud is like, "I'll get back to you on that." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So it is between. Paradise Killer and Beam Saber. We haven't that's talked right. much about Paradise Killer. I have saved this. I have, I have t- picked up my my. You know, it's time for the trial revolver, and I had this bullet that I had been saving for like a month, and I loaded in and I pointed at Jen, and she says, "Nani the hell." <laughs> yeah that's that is maybe six's biggest problem with the game is that one of the voice lines that gets pre- that gets repeated re- that gets said repeatedly um by lady loves dies is nani the hell and she also just says what she knows how to fucking speak it's the only line of japanese in the entire goddamn game and it's a fucking meme I hate it. <laughs> yeah, that kind of sucks, but it's one line. No, I want to know. Here's the thing, though. Okay, Nani the Hell sucks a lot. 
<laughs> I want to know why Paradise Killer is our like one of our runners up. It's a gorgeous game full of interesting characters, uh great music. A really cool, like, open world, like, it's a walking sim, but it's sort of like a, it's like, what if the, tr- the like, the investigation part of a Phoenix Wright game was a beautiful, great music walking sim that was really fun to poke around in? Because 90% of the time, if it was really hard to reach something, there was something, there's something cool there. There's stuff in unexpected places. You get to bring clues to people and get their thoughts about them. Um, and get to have cool conversations that way. You get to hang out with people. The writing is good. It's really fucking good. Yeah. Some might say it's the best thing that's on this list. Some might say it's the second best thing that's on this list. <laughs> After Cool Jay's theme. <laughs> cool Jay's theme. Game of the year. Play it again. <laughs> I do. Uh, um, no, it's. I do think I would take Beam Saber over Paradise Killer, but I'm not like. I'm gonna fight for that because this because if we're not fighting at Game of the Year, what the fuck are we doing? Right, right. Like, I have to push. I have to come cover this from all angles, but. But Paradise Killer rules, and I'm not like gonna be upset if it wins. Yeah. My main problem with uh, Beam Saber winning would be, like, on some level, I don't think that it even belongs here. Like, uh, hold on, let let me explain why. So, the thing is, with all of these other games, they are, like, constructed narratives from beginning to end that someone else has put together for us. With a tabletop RPG... We are basically taking what amounts to a hangout session slash radio play we were doing, which has strong writing and, like, six did a whole lot to make that story go, but we are ultimately comparing a, like, a personal story that we wrote and had fun together acting out versus, like, something that other people can have access to and play themselves in terms of like this I don't is... think that's true at all. Uh like first of all, Star Sung Distance isn't on here, Beam Saber is. And Beam Saber, like, one, it has a bunch of like setting and stuff baked into it, but also like to me that's like saying that you can't have like you're not allowed to put an open world game on here if you fucked around in the open world. Right? Beam Saber has systems, it has world building, it has character abilities and classes, it has mechanics, it has, like, lore and stuff that, some of which I discarded, but all of it was, like, tone setting. Um, it is a game. And I used it to create my own thing within that, but that's like creating my own Mario Maker level. That doesn't take away from the from what is already there and what and- I used. And to add to that, with a great tabletop RPG system, like, if the system is good enough, people will be able to have their own adventures and be just as good as any pre-written, pre-authored thing. And also, what's more, this is, this is more personal, so if this doesn't make the cut, I understand. 
um, if this is if this part of the argument doesn't work for y'all. Um, but like, there have been numerous like a- a- as as the game manager of of Starsung Distance running a, a Beam Saber campaign, I spent a lot of time reading Beam Saber and Beam Saber supplements that didn't end up being part of the podcast, that didn't end up being things that y'all saw. But, like, there was a point where I was reading a custom playbook that was going to be for Alberio Minor Aurum, which was basically being, like, fire control. And that playbook was fucking sick. Like, I ended up reading a bunch of really cool shit that is purely Beam Saber, the game, that didn't make it into Starsung because it didn't fit. But it was like, I had a lot of really cool stuff with Beam Saber that wasn't at all mine, that I have no authorship over. Yeah, that that's totally fair. It just feels like we're comparing apples and oranges here. Like, I mean, we are, but, you know, like... That's our job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's game of the year and it's a game. It's not video game of the year. Yeah, that is true. I just, at least to me, the way that I see it, um, like, when I'm judging something like that, it's hard for me to even, like, quantify what that means compared to everything else, just because, to me, I see it as an interesting story, but more than that, just a fun time I had with friends, and, uh... I don't know. I don't categorize the two the same way in my head. I mean, I don't generally either, but, you know, you look at the name of the category and it's Game of the Year, and I... For me, if you you just say, what was your Game of the Year, mine was probably Bean Saber. Just literally okay. it was, probably. Right. So, Jen, I want to hear, like, it's kind of... It's coming down to me in some way, and I guess I'm the judge here. Yeah. I want to hear your argument for Paradise Killer. Okay, so I play a whole lot of murder mystery games and adventure games and things like that. And Paradise Killer might be one of the best when it comes to the actual detective legwork and uh, getting details down, questioning people, hanging out with them, that kind of thing. Like... So often, playing even some of the best uh, detective games, it feels like you're on a pretty tight, scripted situation of rails. Um, Like, often the trick behind those games is working really hard to make it seem like you're making these discoveries on your own. But inevitably, in order to turn your discoveries into a system that can work within this game... It often feels like finding puzzle pieces and slotting them into their pre-designated areas. With Paradise Killer, there's just a lot of shit that you might not even find when you're playing. And it takes a significant amount of time. To, I mean, it takes it takes real legwork to actually find the stuff. It takes actual, I'm going to go investigate this stuff, see what fits and what doesn't. Like, There's multiple clues within the game that... Like, I wasn't being directed in any sort of, well, at least any perceptible method to go and find it. Like, there were times where I would fa- where I would fall off a ledge and, 
like, I wasn't supposed to be jumping around in that area, but I did, and I fell. And because I fell in just the right spot, I found something that was completely out of the way that even Six didn't find when V was playing. And the game doesn't require you to find every single piece like that. And it won't even tell you that it's missing unless you have some sort of designated, okay, you found a different piece of this same part of the mystery. And so there's still some unanswered questions, but there's entire lines of questioning that you can miss if you're not doing the work and looking around. And that's not like, that might sound frustrating, but to me, it felt liberating. It's, it finds the right level of difficulty without being so obtuse that only a few people will be able to solve it. And I don't know, it just felt a lot more freeform and a lot more exciting than the dozens and dozens of adventure games I played. Or the dozens and dozens of specifically murder mystery games I've played over the years. And also, I mean, I'm going to sort of for and against the game, honestly. Um, we were talking before, while, while um, between uh, categories, while you were away from the mic, Jen, one of the things that this game does is there are no achievements for this game. And it's, I think that's a great thing because going back to your point about like how there are missable clues and stuff, I have no idea how many clues I missed. I'm really glad about that. I'm like, I know about one of them because we've talked about it, you and I, but like, how much would it suck if you beat the game and then it, the game was like, congratulations, you found 65% of the evidence. And you're like, fucking damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would suck. And also, I mean, like, I do think, like, the the way the game, like, the, the we talked about it with Henry Division, right? Winning our best, our best character. Um, the way the game sets up this world that sucks. It's beautiful. And it's, and the music is great. And it's really fun to explore. And the more you learn about it, the more you realize everyone involved is, like, pretty much charming to talk to, and you hate them. They're despicable people. Um, and the way that's executed, to, to make it, like, to make these people so awful, and yet you don't have any hesitation engaging with them and engaging with the game, is really remarkable. Now, that said, I do also have some problems with the game. Um, going back to the, like, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, not even hell, but um, <laughs> there is the whole like you convict people and then there are there is no like lesser sentence. I think that's frustrating. Right. Um, and I do think there is like. I think the trial is good and fun, but I think even setting that aside, the whole like the whole post sequence just feels like like they felt like they had to have it and it doesn't really serve much of a purpose to me. You get like a yeah. last line of dialogue from every person you talk to and I guess that's nice, right? But like there isn't anything really to do. There's no like extra discovery waiting to be made. If you find extra evidence, you can't go change your mind about things. You can't do any special stuff. Um there's no like appeals or anything. And it feels like either you end it with the end of the trial or you put something extra in dumping us back into the open world without much to do feels pointless 
Yeah, that is a mistake that they make. And uh, as you have said in our previous categories, like the way that you can only, after the trial, either kill someone without actually giving any evidence for why you're going to kill them or exile them, and those being your two options, stinks. But uh, like, I'd say that 90% of that game is something that I thoroughly loved from minute one. And uh, yeah, it's rare to come across something that blows you away quite like that. Curie, uh, if I'm like, I don't want to take away your. I, here's what I will say. Okay. I think if you are on the fence, we should give it to Paradise Killer. I support Beam Saber over Paradise Killer, but not by as much as I think Jen supports Paradise Killer over Beam Saber. I. I am ultimately I am leaning towards Paradise Killer. And my reasoning is that it's certain like I unfortunately have not played Paradise Killer yet. But from the way that you two have talked about Paradise Killer, the way that we have brought up not just its aesthetic, but its story and its characters, it makes me excited to get to that game. I think Paradise Killer comes from a grand pedigree of murder mystery adventure games but it sounds like it's doing something really special and really cool and that's not to say beam saber isn't special and cool i think beam saber is like i've played a lot of rpg systems um there's a lot out there (laughs) and i think beam saber does a really excellent job of carrying the types of mecha stories that you love to see like unless you are like granted there are harder like rpgs out there lancer for example is out there but when you want the high space drama stuff that is seen in shows like gundam and bottoms like you want to play beam saber and i think beam saber is an excellent system and i had a lot of fun playing it Mm -hmm. but ultimately i think like I'm leaning towards Paradise Killer in this case. Then I think we should give our game of the year to Paradise Killer. Alright. Um I I do like we we don't do numbers here. I do think Beam Saber, however, is number two. Yeah. Like uh, it is like these games are excellent, but Beam Saber the strongest like it was close like there was a reason i wanted to hear arguments for both sides Mm -hmm. here because it really could have gone either way and i want to like for anyone who hasn't listened to our our gimmick awards before hasn't hasn't been through our game of the year process before you could be used to sites like polygon or kotaku or GameSpot or giant bomb where they have these huge lists that they whittle down. And I can't speak for Jen or Kyrie. They can tell you what they think a game of the year is. But for me, it is really a case where I am really, really picky. For something Mm -hmm. to even be considered, you have to hit a threshold that very few games hit. And so, like... And Hades already won last year. Hades already won last year, yes. (laughs) Or Hades would be on here. And probably would win um yeah <laughs> but game of the year as presented by hades 
Like, there are lots of really great games we talked about in these awards, lots of really great games we played, that just don't hit the mark to be nominated for Game of the Year to me. And so I, I like, I do think for, for Goaty candidates, 2020 was a bit of a weaker year, but also understand that this list has never been a list of, like, 30 games. We're just not that site. I'm not, I, I, at least, am not the person who has a list of 30 games that are goatee material. It is always a list that is like 15 max. Right. And if the if nothing else, like I think even though our list was small, I think the discussions were still profoundly like deep and not lasting 3 hours long. <laughs> and every game on here like here's the other thing is you you may look at other sites where like there are games on their Game of the Year nominations that other people in the room think are bad games. There aren't any of those here. We all think all of these games are fucking good. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 2020 was a rough year, but like these games were pretty, pretty fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, uh, later today, as this is going up, you will be treated to a bonus because there is one last piece of Gimmick Awards business. We're going to talk about Shenmue 2. But until we do, peace out. See ya. Later. <laughs>